Welcome to Euclid's So we come to the last stretch. This June is sort of the end of our formal time of worshiping together before we enter into the rhythms of summer and uh, we're already trickling into that. People are gone more on the weekends. Uh, you know, you, you'll see each other at church, but if you're in town only every other week, or some people you know are only here every now and then, uh, there's going to be a little more of that uh, hiddenness to how we worship together. But I encourage you to worship, if you're out of town, to like go to church, like your parents probably did. You know, if you're out of town, go worship with somebody and bring greetings from Eucharist. And uh, if you don't want to leave the cottage or there's nowhere to go, take time on Sunday morning at 10.30 to sit and, and hold 15 minutes of, of silence and recognize that the body is gathering because this is near the end of this season we've had. And it's been a really exciting season. Uh, it's been a time where the Church of Eucharist as it was has regathered, where the congregation as it was has shifted dramatically. And, and a, a ton of beautiful new souls have come into this place uh, seeking God and seeking to worship God and trying to sort out what it means to be the church. And we started this year off in September in the Psalms, just walking through a number of Psalms week by week before we fell into the rhythm of the lectionary that, that holds a lot of the wider church together. And uh, felt fitting then, this, is my, this will be my last sermon, we'll have a baptism at the end of the month and I'll say a few things then, but this will be my last sermon pretty much till the fall. Uh, felt fitting then for this week to look at the psalm text for this week. Every text in the lectionary, there's a New Testament text, a Hebrew scripture, an Old Testament text, and then there's a psalm for each Sunday. And this psalm's, uh, the psalm for this Sunday was Psalm 8, and felt like a great psalm to visit, sort of on the other end of things. We started with a bunch of psalms to end with a bunch of psalms. And if we're going to do a psalm, uh, you might recall at the beginning of the year when we did these psalms and we were reflecting on the psalms, I chanted the psalms to you. Let me ensure it's not because I love chanting and just want you all to hear my chanting voice. It's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not a comfortable thing to chant in front of a bunch of people at a time when chanting is a little uh, low in terms of public engagement. <laughs> There's been other seasons where it was quite a bit higher, but right now it's, in a, it's you know, a low season. Taking the time out. A couple, yeah, it's a century time out, and then it'll be back like it has been for thousands of years before that. But part of that is because the Psalms are music, and they're poetry. And hearing poetry read is one way to engage it, but hearing it sung or chanted is another. And so if it's all right by you all, I thought I might chant this last Psalm for us as well. Um, I'll be walking through the Psalm a little bit more line by line as we move through the sermon. But just on hearing it, I, I don't know, I, I feel like there's something about leaning in and listening to somebody hit the words in sort of a, a poetic or a, a, with a bit of a rhythm to it. So if that's all right by everybody, maybe I'll chant Psalm 8 for us. And I invite you to just close your eyes and listen to these ancient words. You know, this is thousands of years old, even before the life of Christ. This is a psalm that Christ would have had memorized and would have likely prayed regularly. Uh, and so, yeah, let's settle ourselves and invite you to uh, receive the words of Psalm 8. Oh Lord, our God, 
governor. Governor is the one with dominion, the one who governs. The one who is exalted, exalt means to lift something up high, to X, or sorry, uh, exalt, to X outwards, upwards, X, you know, excellent, extraordinary, you know, all the X's are outs. And alt is uh, to lift something up, Altus, high, I imagine, is alto a high note? I don't know, it sounds about right. Uh, I don't know anything about music. Um, or, um, you know, excellent, how excellent is your name is another translation. Celence is Celsius, uh, like high, how high. So exalt, you know, we lift up how great is God's name. That there is a name that everyone in this room knows. I could name a bunch of artists and musicians that I appreciate. Maybe you could name politicians, heroes, poets, saints. Some of us might know some of those names. If I say the name of Christ, Jesus, we've probably all heard that name, though not everyone everywhere has heard necessarily that name. But then there's the name that we all know, whether we know it or not. There's the name that is above all names because it was before all names. And everyone recognizes that there is a gaping nothingness within them, an unsatiable darkness 
that they have touched. And that unknowable, ungraspable darkness is God. The God who is mystery, the God who is exalted, the God who is so far above, we could never get above him to understand God. That God is the one whose name is exalted. And so who praises the name of this God that no one can know or understand fully without that God revealing God's self? Who is that God and who worships that God? Right in verse 2, out of the mouths of infant and children. You know those little babbling coos that babies make? They know the name of God. They are praising, they are exalting. When you see a child trying to form language and make sense of things, you see them out of their mouth is coming majesty. They are praising God who is in the heavens, who is in the spiritual realm. They intuit it. They're closer to their beginnings. They forget less than we forget. They know where they come from. They know that before they came into this world, they were not strictly nothing. They know they were in God. If you've got toddlers in your life, ask them enough questions, and you'll hear spooky little moments where you realize that they remember things that we often forget. Eugene Peterson calls this language, language one, the first language we learn, which is the, the language of relationship, the language of intimacy. Long before we learn how to name things and understand them, long before we learn how to use our language to control, manipulate, and get what we want, we have a language that is pure relationality. We cry out to our heavenly parent, not because we want something, but because we know that there's something missing. A baby doesn't cry out because it wants milk, it cries out because it feels an absence. It is the one above it who gives it what it needs. We don't cry out to God because we know what we need, we cry out in that language one sense. We cry out like children because we don't know what we need, but we know we need something. And so we cry out to the one who is beyond us, and we receive spiritual milk, and we receive spiritual food. We receive hope and meaning. Psalmist goes on, who is man, and this is in the anthropological sense, not the gendered sense, who is man, who is the human, that you should be mindful of us. We're given this spot where the human rests, just below the angels, and just above the animals. We are not pure rationality. We're not pure idea like the angels are. They have no form. They're just thought. They're just truth. They're just messengers. They're beyond us. But we also exist beyond all the animals. And we know this because none of the other animals are writing any stories. You know, they're not even trying to communicate with us. They're just barking and yapping and flinging poop. You know, the animals are doing, there's plenty of good stuff, right? And the dolphins are apparently geniuses. But like when we say like, the dolphins are so smart, they're not, they're not. Like, they're so smart for animals. It's amazing what they can do, but they're not so smart. They, 
You know, like it's, it's impressive. We should treat animals with respect and, and kindness because we are their big brothers and sisters, right? We, we are the ones above them, so we, we ought to honor and love and, and consider them, but they're not intelligent like humans are intelligent. They haven't made even one movie. We are way beyond their capacity. And that's not a statement of superiority. It's a statement that we've been crowned this way. We didn't choose consciousness, did we? The homo sapien didn't wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to become self-aware. We were given this divinity. We were given the ability to perceive. We're not the angels. We're not the animals. We've been placed right at the precipice. Now, we live in a time where the human being, the true human being, is no longer considered glorious, is no longer considered to be God's final completion in creation. We live in an age of desecration. To desecrate means to de-sanctify something. And we live in a time where the human being is desecrated. On the one hand, we have those who tell the human being that the human being is not enough. You do not have glory and dignity and honor from the time you are babbling as a child. No, to receive glory and dignity and honor, you have to climb a particular ladder. You have to get to the top. You need to have wealth. You need to have education. You need to have security. Beyond that, we've got all sorts of new priests of a technological age telling us that the human being is insufficient. You don't know how to get around on your own feet. You need a supercomputer that will tell you how to get around your neighborhood. And then you don't even need to know anymore. You can just walk around knowing exactly where you go. It's like all your memory is just in this device and you can walk around and go wherever you need to go. Why trust the fallible memory of a desecrated human when you could have every map everywhere all the time in your pocket? And it's not enough to live 60, 70, or 80 years. We ought to live for 100 years. We ought to live for 200 years. We ought to never die. And it's not enough to be in these bodies with all of their limitations. We ought to be maximizing our bodies, improving our bodies. We got billionaires out there trying in their late 30s to have the bodies and strength of 17-year-olds. And they talk about this, and reports go out saying, look at these amazing entrepreneurs trying to reverse aging. <laughs> fart noise. That, I desecrate that. <laughs> I fart noise on that baloney. Honestly, what a bunch of crap. You're going to die. It's not so bad if you know. It's not scary. It's like the first thing you find out. But no, we live in an age where the human must become more like the angels. Less biological. Less material. More like pure idea. More like a god. And the capitalism it's led to, and the colonization both of land and of our spirits, and the fruit that it's bearing is just atrocious. Our quest to become gods is not necessary. We are already crowned with dignity. The one thing that stops us from recognizing it is climbing infinitely higher to get 
more. Once we stop trying to become gods, we receive again the dignity of being human. But it's not that some want to push us up. There are others in this moment we're living in who desecrate the human being by attempting to drag it down. In a culture that promotes, advertises, pushes on us gluttony, that we should be eating all we can eat. And you shouldn't be leaving your house. You should just be calling the company on the app to bring you the food. You shouldn't even be chewing it. You should just be opening your mouth in your mailbox and letting it get shoved right in and, and then you can just chew. It's insanity. You should eat but not cook. That's not very human. You should binge television. You should, but we call it that, binge-worthy TV. People binge until they cannot hold it in, and then they purge. Now, we know that with food. The same is true with our attention. If you binge media, it will purge out of you, and it will probably damage relationships, because what you take in will spew out onto others. We live in an age of flaunting. The scriptures talk about not having vain glory. And we live in an age where everyone is told to dress in a way that garners attention from the masses like peacocks. Just bah, 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 bah. don't look at my butt, it's too much for a sermon. But <laughs> if, this was a different, if this was youth group, I'd totally shake it. But it's like, what? What? Flaunting our image to others for likes and attention? That's what an animal does. Animals binge. Animals flaunt. Animals fight. And how long do I need to go before you recognize and, and sort of see, oh yeah, we're fighting. We're fighting. We hate each other. We're tribal. We'll use force to remove somebody, and if force isn't allowed, we'll find non-physical ways to force people out of our camp. There are billions of dollars being made right now by telling the human being that we are not sacred, that we are not dignified as we are each one, but that we ought to go lower, become more like the animals, and follow every impulse. Billions to be made by making us like angels. The entire wellness industry is trying to make you more like an angel. And the entire consumptive industry is trying to make you more like an animal. And then we wonder why it feels so impossible some days just to be human. This is a difficult time for the human being. This is a time where the human being is being desecrated. It has not always felt this difficult to be human. So if you are someone listening to this saying, wow, I resonate with this. It does feel difficult these days to be human. At least you should know it's not always been this way. It really is this difficult right now. Maybe that offers some comfort. Because we got to start talking about it. I know this is uncomfortable, but it's my last sermon, you know, and after this, somebody else can talk for a while. But 
It is uncomfortable, but we need to see it. We need to, because it's having very negative consequences, the way that we're living. The, the de-sanctifying of the human being is leading to dire consequences, and if the church doesn't notice it, I'm not sure who's going to before us. Like, I, I've been reading, there's so many articles put out by the WWF, which, not the wrestling people. If you're like me, when you were a child, WWF switched from wrestling to the World Wildlife Foundation. Like, overnight, it was very confusing. But most of you know that's the World Wildlife Foundation. And they said that we have done a suplex to 70% of the animals. It's a wrestling joke. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to say this nicer before I say it the way that they report it. Uh, they report a, a two-thirds decline in global living planet index, meaning that two-thirds of the animals on Earth in the last 50 years have died. Disappeared is a nice way to put it. Now, you can Google this fact and read the dozens of articles that came out in 2020 and then 2021 and 2022 that argue that maybe 50% of the animals have been eradicated, maybe 70. And you read this text, you, you've, you've put all things under the human being's feet, all sheep and oxen and the wild beasts of the field. Well, part of what's destroying the world is that we are destroying the animals. We're breeding the animals, eating the animals at unsatiable, with an unsatiable desire and at rates that are not maintainable. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and hear this last line in, in verse 9. And whatsoever walks in the paths of the sea, algae, bacteria, small little animals, and this is the stuff that's being destroyed. They, they actually say in the article that I was reading um, that most of what is being destroyed is the waterways, the habitat of the ocean, which is exactly what's put in our dominion. When the human being strives to become an angel or is brought low into the place of an animal, the creation itself falls apart. We are seeing in front of our eyes the creation falling apart. 50 to 70 years, and it is falling apart. This will not change unless, truthfully, this, this probably will not change. But we should see it. And we should do all we can to preserve what life is left on earth that God has given the human being to care for. Okay, and if that stat wasn't troubling enough, maybe you saw the article making the rounds this week that 27%, almost one-third of Canadians are now either strongly in agreement or somewhat in agreement with the idea, with the, the statement, that we should be open to giving assisted suicide in dying to those suffering only from poverty and homelessness. When polled, almost a third of Canadians said that someone who's homeless or in poverty ought to be able to end their life in a government-sanctioned way. How do we feel about that? Does that make us feel like the human being is being given dignity in our city? Dignity in our country? 
And when did this happen and how fast did it occur? If you want some encouragement, the highest by far of all of the markers when they kind of asked the five questions, the highest response was a strong no to the idea that poverty and homelessness enough uh, should be enough for someone to be killed. 44% said that they strongly disagreed with suicide assisted, assistance in death. You call it what we would like. But 44% said, no, that is wrong. They strongly disagree that it should be accessible only from poverty and houselessness. Which means that we do actually have a time on, on this one. We've got a window of time where we as followers of the way, where we as those who give dignity to the human being can speak and pray and perhaps even organize to preserve what is left of the dignity of those who live in this city, whether they sleep outside or they pay the incredibly and increasingly incredibly expensive cost of living of just existing in Western society. Okay, how are we feeling right now? What's our energy level? Vibe check, everybody. How are we? Okay. It's about a moment in the sermon. That's fair. Where's Nina? And Nina's gone for one Sunday. I'm like, ah, I got this. This will be fine. Leslie Newbegin was a missiologist and a missionary, spent a lot of time all around the world, largely in India, saw a lot of poverty very up close. When he was asked whether he was an optimist or a pessimist about the state of the world, Newbegin responded, I am neither an optimist nor a pessimist. Jesus Christ is risen from the grave. If you believe that Christ is risen. If you believe that God is our governor, the exalted one, if you feed that desire in you, you will find that you have hope. Not less hope, but more hope. In the last year, these sermons of mine, you can talk to Nina about hers, mine, I, they have been a little less optimistic, I will say. <laughs> you guys are related. I don't know if that's a fair... Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. A fair bit less optimistic. I hope that they have been hopeful. Because they are hopeful. But blind optimism doesn't get us anywhere. Blind optimism, that's just the opioid of the masses. The blind optimism that says, come here to church and then go out there and everything's going to be fine, does not serve us and does not help us. But knowing that there is a God and knowing that Christ is risen brings us hope. And as our friend Innocent said last week, those of you who were here and heard him share, in refugee camps, 50,000 refugees living in a camp, of all the things he could do to serve them, he begins a ministry called There Is Hope. And you'll hear him last week say, when the people lose hope, the people die. Do not lose hope. Sorry for yelling. Do not lose hope. 
I really mean it though. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. The world wants you to lose hope because then you buy products. The world wants you to lose hope because then you look to technology to let you live to 200. Don't lose hope and forget all this other nonsense. Try God. Try God. Try prayer and see if it doesn't offer everything that the market is trying to sell you. And see if it doesn't lift your head and give you a sense of the dignity of being a true human being. Made a little lower than the angels and crowned with honor and glory everyone in this room just as you are. Amen.